You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, we're also joined by John Kegley, one of the original members of the show. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Me personally, I'm excited to watch to see if the power of Pepsi and the Pepsi sugar-free player of the year, Justin Herbert, can take down the Patriots. But Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly on Facebook. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome in to any of our new listeners. We really appreciate you guys checking out the show. And a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners as well for checking us out again. Just a little programming note so I don't forget. On tomorrow's show, we have a special guest because I don't know if you guys have been watching the press conferences, but things have been getting a little bit heated between head coach Anthony Lynn and the athletics Daniel Popper. So we're going to have Popper on the show tomorrow. Very excited about that to get into all of those things. But for today's show, Anthony Lynn did give some explanations on Monday about some of the things he didn't have explanations for on Sunday in the game, specifically regarding a lot of time management things. So we'll talk about that and his job security in the news segment today. And then we'll get into what we do every Tuesday and get into what went right and what went wrong. And of course, we have the expert in all things wrong here, John Kegley. So we'll start there and we'll try to wrap the show up on a positive note with the things that went right. Because... There were some good highlights, I think, from that game that I'm excited to get into. There were some positives to take away from it, but let's go ahead and get into it. In his press conference on Monday, Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn had some explanations from some of the mind-boggling plays in Sunday's game. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogmeyer and John Kegley with your Locked on Chargers lead story. The Chargers have been the talk of the NFL media over the past several days. Most people talking about the questionable decisions down the stretch for the Chargers and really throughout the game, specifically regarding time management and the Chargers calling a couple of questionable timeouts and making a couple of questionable decisions. And Anthony Lynn was asked about some of these scenarios after the game and Really, he didn't have a great explanation for what had happened because he said that there was a lot of plays that he had to go through and he had to rewatch the game again. But on Monday in his press conference, he enlightened us a little bit on his mindset going into those situations and some of the philosophies that he has for this team, especially when they're in two-minute situations at the end of half. So, David, Anthony Lynn has given his explanation. I still think there are a couple of questions and a couple of things that he still probably isn't right about in those situations, but he did give his side of the story. He went back and watched some of the things that Daniel Popper of The Athletic uh, asked him about in this press conference on Sunday and was able to give some better answers on what his philosophy is on certain situations. Situations like his usage of timeouts. He said he doesn't like to use any timeouts before the one-minute mark, and he feels like the offense has plenty of time to go down there and execute and score within two minutes. He really feels like if there's a minute or so on the clock, that that's an eternity for the offense and they should not have any problems 
Mahomes scoring within that time frame. And Thielen also was asked about the end-of-game sequence, and admittedly, he was not very happy or pleased about that situation. He said at the end of the game, that was embarrassing. I gotta be honest with you, that was just embarrassing. That was not the reason that we lost the game, but it was embarrassing to finish the game like that. I said it was communication, and it was communication poor communication you don't run the ball there with no timeouts you don't take that chance I mean that seems like common sense but the Chargers went out there and did that very thing Daniel and they still blamed a lot of it on communication most of the conversation was about using a timeout 21 seconds left on the clock in the first half instead of running the clock all the way down and trying to attempt a Hail Mary and he said he wanted to do that but he lost communication with Justin Herbert in the headset inside of his helmet and that he was afraid Herbert was going to run the play had he not called the timeout at the end of the game with no timeouts. He says that it was just poor communication, but at the same time, someone has to know better in that situation. It's just something that's inexcusable to see at the end of an NFL football game and a big reason that the Chargers are where they are this season with a 3-8 and record. But Anthony Lynn was also asked about his job security because that is something that many news outlets have been questioning already after this latest loss and what he had to say was that worrying about his job comes with the territory I can control what I can control I don't worry about that I like my job I feel like I'm the right guy for this job to turn it around but that's not my decision but John it seems a little bit like the realization is kind of creeping in with Anthony Lynn that this could be his last season as a charge coach as it should be You've had nothing but failure the past two years, and before that, you had a team that was struggling, but somehow made it through to win to go 12 and four. But you could see the obvious struggles, but those struggles were not fixed the next year in 2019, and they have not been fixed this year at all as well. And you struggle against your own division. Anthony Lynn started off his career seven and five against the AFC West, and has since lost nine straight against the AFC West. You cannot win the Super Bowl or even make the playoffs without beating your own division first, especially when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, the best team in the NFL, is in your division. You're probably going to have to play them in the playoffs after m- making a wild card victory. If you can't beat them in the regular season, you're definitely not beating them in the playoffs. Anthony Lynn's job is definitely on the line, but he might scapegoat it by getting rid of Gus Bradley, and that could save his job. One, I think a lot of it also has to do with what he does down the stretch and if he can improve on some of the things that have been so poor for him this season, like communication and clock management and game management. Anthony Lynn has not had a successful tenure with the Chargers outside of the one season they won one playoff game. Now over the last couple of seasons the team has been so bad in one score games. It's been so bad against the division. They haven't won a divisional game since 2018 which is just not a recipe for success in this league and right now especially with Justin Herbert I don't think that anyone really feels safe right now. And for Anthony Lynn, I do think his seat is getting a little bit warmer. I think he is cognizant of that. And he's going to need some sort of a miracle, I think, down the stretch to be able to keep his job in 2021. But we do have two more segments to get into because we do have to get into what went wrong with our expert, John Kegway, talking about you know the litany of things that we could point out from this last game. And then we'll get into what went right, like Justin Herbert being able to throw Hail Marys at the end of the show. But first, I need to tell you guys, this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. For me, I'm very excited to see Justin Herbert every single week, and I hope that he looks 
a lot better than he did last week. But Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Alright guys, well now it's time to get into one of our patented segments that we get into every week where we take a little bit of a deeper dive into the game to try to find out what went wrong and what went right that ended up leading to the decision that happened on Sunday. And the Chargers obviously lost, so there's obviously a lot to get into as far as what went wrong for this team. I mean, there's so many places that you could start the running game on either side. Justin Herbert didn't have a good game, but of course in all of these matters, anything that is negative, anything that is pessimistic... Maybe bordering on realistic, but definitely a glass half empty type of philosophy. We have the king of everything that goes wrong for the Chargers. He's seen everything that's gone wrong. So that means he knows what always goes wrong for the Chargers most in any game. So, John, what are you looking for this week at what went most wrong for the Chargers? Well, that intro went pretty right. Uh, Let's see. Where do we start here? You could start with the game, the game time management, basically. (laughs) That's a big part of it. You can also go with not scoring off of turnovers. To me, those are the big two things, which when you weigh bigger or more is going to probably defer by person. You basically didn't manage the last two minutes of either half. And while you're trailing, you're not trying to pick up the tempo a little bit at all. You're just taking your time, still running the ball up the middle. And not helping yourself get back into the game. While also somehow your defense is still making these plays. These turnovers. To keep you in the game. And you only manage three points off of it. Somehow, some way, I cannot help but think that a certain game plan. Or play calling is to blame for not scoring on those turnovers. Because somehow we still want to run it. We still want to run it up the middle. And do the most predictable plays instead of taking a shot. Herbert. Made some deep throws, but yet we still want to throw it short and do the most predictable plays. Yeah, and I think all of those things are really all intertwined. I mean, as far as what went wrong for the Chargers against the Bills, I mean, you look at the litany of questionable clock management. You have the timeout in the first half before you end up punting, and that, of course, was you know Lynn trying to do anything necessary to not let Justin Herbert get off a snap on fourth down instead of you know trying to go for it and actually getting a better chance at a field goal or a better chance at scoring points than a Hail Mary would have. They also have the incident in the fourth quarter with the field goal where, you know, he's talking about the spot and how they moved it back on him. And that's how he ended up deciding he didn't want to go for it there. And he didn't want to rush the field goal unit out there because Michael Badgley, as he put it, was having trouble with gauging the wind the entire pregame and already had missed an extra point in the game. And that is all true, but think you have bigger kicker issues if you don't think your field goal kicker can get out there on time in that situation. And then obviously at the end, you run the ball. You have terrible clock management down the stretch, thinking you can do all those things in four seconds. I mean, even if you've seen it happen against you, you know the odds are against you in that situation. But David, what else did you see in this game that you thought went most wrong for the Chargers? I mean, you guys already talked about a lot of it, but one of the things that you guys didn't talk about is the dropped passes. I think there were several opportunities in this football game to keep drives going and to you know keep the momentum. I mean, Anthony Lynn talked about in his press conference how the Chargers' re- offense really never got into a rhythm in this game, and it really did feel that way as well. And I think drop passes were definitely a, a, a contribution to that. Also, the running game just was terrible. I mean, 24 
carry seven for only 76 yards, only good for 3.16 yards per carry. And then on the other side as well, as you mentioned, the defensive side, they got gashed. I mean, especially in that second half with, you know, just big ripping off big chunks. I mean, they ran it 30 times for 172 yards, which was good for 5.7 yards per carry. I mean, they got absolutely dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage. It was a bad, bad day. And you can't help but bring up penalties, too, when you bring up that running attack because they ripped off two big runs mm-hmm. against you. And the first one, you got a freebie. You got a freebie by the ref when they called that unsportsmanlike conduct because it was not unsportsmanlike conduct. It was just an unfortunate situation of where he threw the ball. And yet the very it's next because play, he threw it at his feet, right? He, he basically did what any player does. When the player's done with the play he just throws the ball behind him and lets the ref deal with it but there was a charger player on the floor and he threw it near him so it was like as if he was taunting him he wasn't but the ref saw it that way either That's way you I got thought. you got a free penalty out of that and the very next play is another big run by the bills you got a second chance by that you got a lot of second chances in this game with penalties roughing the passer calls and you still could not capitalize on those just a lot of opportunities went your way, and there was no capitalizing on turnovers, penalties, any of that kind of stuff. Even Tyron Johnson's Hail Mary was a, like an opportunity to still create a miracle, and you couldn't capitalize on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a, a miracle play, and the Chargers did their best to not even really take full advantage of that, which was something that definitely went wrong as well. But going back to the Chargers, again, losing in the trenches, and it just seems like no matter what Tom Telesco has done, that's something in his time they have not been able to figure out. They haven't been good at stopping the run since he took over. They haven't been good, I mean, at filling in spots on both sides of the line, whether it's the offensive or defensive line, at finding guys that are going to be able to create some real estate for your running backs because, I mean, these running backs just don't have holes to get through. When they do have holes, I mean, you're seeing what happens. They, you know, break off a chunk play. But so many times the Chargers are getting blown up behind the line of scrimmage. Or on the flip side, the defensive line is getting blown back the other way. So the Chargers cannot lose at the line of scrimmage so consistently and have it just go so ignored seemingly by the, you know, management from the Chargers. I mean, Tom Plesko has brought in guys like Brandon Meebane, now Linval Joseph. And I do think, you know, Linval Joseph has been a good addition, but I think it was really just a band-aid on something that really couldn't be fixed with one player. And then on the offensive side of the line, I mean, none of those guys are great run blockers. You brought in Trey Turner to be more physical. That hasn't materialized in the few games that he's been out there. So that continues to be a problem for the Chargers. And then just speaking about the offensive line, John, I mean, Herbert did not have a good game, and he's worth mentioning in this one. I mean, 31 of 52 having to throw it 52 times is never a good thing that means you're not in good situations and at the same time a lot of the reason they weren't in good situations is because the offensive line played so poorly and I think early on the Chargers were able to mask some of their deficiencies there with James Campen I mean doing the most that he could with some guys that we've already seen aren't super talented but, I mean, you lose Brian Bulaga in this game at the very beginning. I mean, he doesn't even go on the field because he doesn't feel well, according to the coaches. And the offensive line, once again, John, is just brutal. And that's the last thing you want with a rookie quarterback like that is to have him go out in a game like that and get his hit, get hit as much as he did. Well, and it's becoming obvious that the weakness of the Chargers is to send the blitz at, at Herbert. They're, not, they're obviously not going to run it on you very well. It's going to be if Herbert has success, then the offense has success. If you're in Herbert's face and he has to throw the ball 
at someone's feet or just out of someone's reach. The offense isn't going to move, and you saw it in this game. And the Jets were doing the same game plan as the Bills were, but the Bills are full of more talent defensively than the Jets were, so you weren't able to get away with it this time. I'm gonna, I'd have to say with this offensive line, it doesn't matter how many ways you mix these guys around, the players that you have are not the players that you need. And if this season's already basically in the tank, and you're going to have to really try out some guys now. Find some undrafted free agents or even some practice squad guys that might have a chance at playing next year. Or maybe you have to scrap the whole thing and start a whole new free agency and draft class of offensive line. Because what you have right now is not going to allow Herbert to be as successful as he can be. Well, and I think it has to be a lot better for them as far as evaluating talent and then being able to develop that talent because Trey Pipkins was a developmental pick. You spent draft capital on Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp. It's unclear whether both of those guys will be, or either of those guys will be back in next season. And the way the offensive line is played, it's hard to argue to bring back any of these guys. But it's gonna, it can't be one thing. I mean, you can't just keep trying to find gems in undrafted free agency. I mean, maybe you can get one of those guys. That would surely help. But you're gonna have to spend real, you know, capital on it. Whether that's draft capital and taking guys early in the draft. Tom Telesco has only taken one lineman in the first round. It was DJ Fluker. And you have to also be able to make the right calls in free agency. Russell Lacoon, you got a couple of good seasons out of. But, I mean, it's hard to say that was a total success. Then you have also guys like, you know, Orlando Franklin and, you know, some other guys they've given big contracts to. But it hasn't worked. And the Chargers have to do better. And I think you spent a first-round pick on a defensive tackle in Jerry Tillery, who is not helping you stop the run by any means. He's a detriment to that. And you have to really, I mean, think about rebuilding each side of the line to some extent and getting guys in there that are better at stopping the run. Maybe it's, you know, getting better linebackers or more linebacker depth guys that can really stop the run. But whatever they're doing right now isn't working. And they haven't shown the ability to really go all out to try to fix it. This was the closest thing we saw with Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga, and they haven't even really played so far this season. So that so far is a disaster as well. But There were some positives from this game. We do have to get into that before we get too carried away with everything that went wrong in this game. And the Chargers really couldn't break through the wall on either side in Sunday's game to make a substantial difference. But for you guys, if you're trying to break through the wall at the end of your day, I have something for you. And that is a built go from the creators of Built Bar, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. They're easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put them in your briefcase. You can put them in your golf bag, or you can even put them in your pocket. No one wants to carry a monster energy around in their pocket. And it's like drinking one of those, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. It's like a five hour energy almost without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural and better for your body. Right now, if you visit BillGo.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED and you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, all caps, for 20% off at BillGo.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to try to find the silver linings from Sunday's tough game against the Buffalo Bills. And there's really not a ton to pick from. I mean, I did find a few things that I think definitely went right for the Chargers. But, David, in a tough game like that where so much seemingly went wrong, Where did you find something that you thought was actually a bright spot for the team on Sunday? I am so glad you went to me first so I can use this before (laughs) you two. And that's because you already know who it is. Joey Bosa was an absolute freaking animal on Sunday. He was absolutely everywhere. Man, it was so great to watch him. Like He was so disruptive. He had eight tackles, 
three sacks, six tackles for loss, five QB hits, and a fumble recovery. Should have been two fumble recoveries, but we're not going to go over that. Joey Bosa was a man among boys. He was a man among boys out there. He's absolutely incredible, making an impact uh, in the pass rush against the run. Just, man, it was so fun to watch him. That's why they gave him $135 million right there for games like that. Yeah, and I mean, he gets you know three sacks in the game and almost doubles his total from the season. But, John, I mean, you have to feel bad a little bit for Joey Bosa for putting up that kind of Herculean effort just for the Chargers to not really take advantage of it. But he really should have had another sack. I mean, there was the part, there was the play where they said that Josh Allen had fumbled it down to the four yard line of the Chargers and they ended up calling it back, saying it was an incomplete pass. But if they call it a fumble, that's a sack and a fumble to go along with the fumble recovery for Joey Bose. And I mean, it's just such a privilege, honestly, just to watch Joey Bose play because. I put on Twitter, you know, can one man be an entire defense? Uh, Joey Bosa is making a case right now just because there's not a lot of single players on this Chargers defense that you can look at and say, oh, you know, they had a great game. They had a very good overall game, but Joey Bosa put one of the better defensive performances and, I mean, career highs for him in tackle for loss and in sacks, I mean, that I've ever seen from a Chargers defender. Well, and he was basically the one guy that was keeping us in this game after we started off kind of slow he was still keep giving you chances to stay in this game and create punts he was even when Matt Barkley came in the game he took advantage of that he was like oh you're a guy that can't escape the pocket all right let me go eat you up real quick and they were hurt they were quick to get Josh Allen back in there even though his leg was hurting after that play Bosa was single-handedly keeping the Chargers in this game whether it was a sack or keep even keeping like running backs that were trying to get to the outside. He kept a few of those runs inside, and it became either a loss or a gain of one. And you know what happens when you get outside the tackles with the Chargers? It's a, usually a big play. But I think another guy that you got to mention is a guy that came back from injury, and that's Austin Eckler, who had 129 yep. all-purpose yards in this game. Yes, sir. Des- despite missing all that time, it was, he came back and. You would have thought he didn't miss a single play. That guy worked so hard in the gym. He rehabs really hard, and he came back like he was just brand new, especially in the passing game. That didn't make any sense. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) You just dump a pass off to him, and he's still having guys bounce off of him and slide off of him like ice, and he's picking up a first down. He's still carrying guys on his back. Austin Eckler deserves some praise in this game. 100% he does. I mean, he was an instant jolt for this Chargers offense I mean can you imagine what the offense would have looked like without Austin Eckler in that game I mean I would ask you that I can tell you what somehow they would have been much worse (laughs) which doesn't seem possible at all I mean I think their day looks a lot better too you know if they maybe try to use Austin Eckler in a couple of those fourth and short situations and give him a chance to get you a first down as well through the air and getting him in space but Austin Eckler I mean dynamic in his return, he led the team in receptions. Not that many others did very much in that. But like I said before, he returned. Like, you're getting good contributions from even a guy like Kalen Balash, who's doing a lot with what he's able to do after he gets the catch and, and creating yards after the catch. But there's just no one quite like Austin Eckler, who can just pick up chunk yardage so easily. And he did that, you know, multiple 15-yard gains on single drives in the game. That's just stuff they didn't have before he came back. And you're right, he looked like he didn't miss a beat. That guy's dedication, the hard work that guy put in, 
I mean, all all of those contracts that Tom Telesco gave out as far as extending guys in this offseason, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, obviously Eckler got hurt some, but I mean, to see how fast he came back for this, I mean, it's hard to say that was a bad deal, even giving it to a running back, but pointing out a couple of other defenders, David, who had a really good game in this one, Michael Davis and Michael Davis and Chris Harris Jr. I know that you pointed it out on Twitter when you saw Chris Harris Jr. saying that they had their an A plus game from the two of them. I mean, they conveniently left out, you know, Tavon Campbell, who gave up four for four, 87 yards and a touchdown when he was targeted. But he's right. I mean, Chris Harris Jr. and Michael Davis both had great days. According to Michael Peterson, they allowed four catches on seven targets for 31 yards and an interception. Michael Davis has been one of the nice surprises, I think, this season. I mean, putting together definitely his most complete season and even being a better tackler this year, especially after a couple of missed tackles earlier on in the season. And Chris Harris Jr., especially coming back from an injury, which he says was much more severe than they had originally let on. Him coming back and looking good in his first games. I mean, I think in his first game, I think those are both things that you can take away from this game that will look good for the Chargers defense going forward. Absolutely, Daniel. That was another one of my uh, what went rights in this game. Uh, it was great to see Chris Harris Jr. out there, uh, back out there in the slot and the and on the outside, bouncing around. Uh, and Michael Davis. I mean, Michael Davis is really having quietly a great year, like you mentioned, and and really not at a better time than now because he's going to look to be getting paid in the off season, and he's putting together a lot of good reasons why the Chargers should do that. I mean, we all know. We've always known that Michael Davis has had the size and the speed that you're looking for. We just wanted to see a couple of technique changes, and it seems like he's starting to put that together a little bit more. I mean, he's still a young guy. He's still got a lot of good football left in front of him. It is good to see him learn and mature and get better as a corner as the games go on. So, yes, great to see those two guys come back and play well. And hopefully Casey Hayward is not too uh, injured and he's able to come back sooner rather than later so we can see what it looks like when we have all three of these guys on the field at the same time. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, Casey has some time to kind of try to work out some of the kinks that have been making him struggle so far this year. But I think that you have to hope at this point, Michael Davis kind of flies under the radar for the rest of the season. I mean, you don't really see him nationally talked about as a guy who's really good at his job. But John, I mean, if you think back to where we started with Michael Davis and where we are now, it's crazy to even think of the fact that when you look at the Chargers' unrestricted free agents in going into next year, I mean, he might be at the very top of the Chargers' list. He has been pretty good for them this season. I mean, he has developed. He's been getting better, which is always something you want to see from a player. He's not continuing to struggle with the same things as much anymore. And although now he has a, a lapse every now and again, I think, I mean, the difference is night and day. And I think the Chargers have to hope that they can get him kind of extended under the radar before he realizes what his true potential is. Because now that he's turning the ball over, I mean, obviously that was a pretty easy pick for him in this game. I'm not going to give him total credit for that, but he also has a pick six as well against Tom Brady this season. I mean, the number for him just keeps going up, so the Chargers are going to have to hope he flies under the radar so they can get him in on some sort of cheaper deal. Because if it kind of gets out that he you know, has potential to be a really good corner, his market is going to go way up. And he's going to get a lot more deals from other teams. <laughs> and if the Chargers aren't willing right. to split the deal like, you know, Agent Phillips, then uh, you we You can't might... even let him get an offer from another team, really, because then he'll really know. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your your best best to probably get a deal done like now. <laughs> these next and couple they'll have the weeks. first shot at it before anybody else gets to talk to him. They will have the chance to try to extend him. And hopefully they do because we've needed another corner to go alongside Casey Hayward all these years. And now you all you did was basically upgrade your slot corner position from Desmond King to Chris Harris Jr. But you didn't really do anything to upgrade the other corner on the other side of the field. And Michael Davis has stepped up and decided he's going to be that guy. Now he's showing that he might be worth a big contract. So flying underneath the radar is probably a uh, really good quote <laughs> by you, Wade. But he's done really well tackling. Gets his head turned around, has knocked away a lot of passes, even against some really good, and I mean really yeah. good wide receivers. Not like the second best or third best guy. He's gone up against the number one a few times and went stride for stride and kept him from getting the ball. He is really tall, too. So you saw what happened to Tavon Campbell when they threw that jump ball down the sideline. He, that guy was in perfect position, but there was just nothing you can do with that height. Michael Davis would have knocked that nope. down with his height. And he's finally been knocking those passes away, and it almost led to an interception a couple of d- games ago by Denzel Perryman, the one that he dropped. That was caused from Michael Davis getting a hand in there, and now he's finally using those long arms to his advantage. He hasn't been called for a lot of penalties this season, and let's look at what the Chargers cornerback landscape going into 2021 would look like without him, right? I mean, you have an aging, struggling Casey Hayward on one side, and I'm not going to write him off and say he's totally done for, but you have that plus Chris Harris Jr., who is coming off the longest absence of his career due to injury, and now no Michael Davis. I mean, that's pretty desolate. And even though I think the Chargers are still going to need to take a corner and really invest in that position in the offseason, it starts right now. I mean, they have a guy that is worth keeping at that position. And I'm not saying, you know, go out there and break the bank for him if he's too much. I mean, you're going to have to let him go. But I do think he is rising very fast up the priority list for the Chargers when he becomes a free agent and hopefully even before that to get him kind of locked up to a better deal because they've been able to do it with some guys before who have flown a little bit under the radar. If he keeps playing at this pace and gets a couple more interceptions, coaches look at those numbers, general managers look at those numbers, and his price tag could go way up. But that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow with a very special guest as Daniel Popper from The Athletic will be joining the show to talk about you know what's been going on with him and Anthony Lynn and also just the Chargers' general struggles over the entire season up until this point. So make sure you come back and check that out. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, and it's the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to get in on the next voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924. We obviously have Popper tomorrow. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to fit those in this week, but we'll do what we can. But that is going to wrap it up for today's show. Make sure to check out Daniel Popper on with us tomorrow. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.